Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello and welcome to Two Player Bros. I'm Mike and with me again, hopefully for a while, is Dave. Hello. Dave, it's been a while. How you been? There have been ups, there have been downs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm back in action. All right. So, it's been terrible without you doing my solo podcast episodes. I, I am sorry to admit I have not listened. So but. That's fine. Surprisingly, people have kept listening. Good, good for you guys. I tell them at the end of every episode they don't have to keep listening. <laughs> I'm shocked they got that far. You're all troopers. <laughs> we appreciate you. So we're back, and as I said, when we got Dave back, we would do our kind of best of 2020 type episode, whatever that would end up being. So if we've done it, Dave's got an idea on how to do it. So Dave, do you want to talk about like how we're how the format's going to be for it, kind of? Sure. You know, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, accolades and reviews and rankings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I didn't want to have to have a situation where we had to like debate things. You know, I'm an opinionated mm -hmm. person. What what I think is best is what I think is best. You're not going to change my mind, Mike. So Dude, I've, I've known you for quite some time. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I had both of us just write up a top 10 list. I believe kind of funny did the same thing. Of course, they had more people, so it wasn't as it works better with more people probably. But anyway, uh, I I wrote down your list from your number 10 to your number one, whatever your highest ranking game was, whatever your number one game was received to 10 points, your lowest ranking game received one point. And then I just combined your points with your game's points with my game's points to see, you know, what the highest point total was. I hope I explained that clearly. It seemed to make sense um, to me. Yep. So, you know, if me and you both had a game listed at number one, it would be worth 20 points. The highest score a game can get on this list is 20 points. So I, I guess I'll tell you what the point totals were as we, as we're going along. Um, you know, if you had it as one and I had it as 10, that game's only going to get 11 points. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, before we get into the running down the list here, uh, one thing that's always tricky for me when I'm writing these kind of lists is what does game of the year actually mean to you? Are you asking me the I question? Am, I am okay. asking. That is something that I <laughs> struggle with particularly. 
uh, or specifically, and I'm curious, you know, where you land on it. Uh, it's, it's tough for me because, you know, a lot of the games, when you play games or you watch movies, it's like, oh man, I just, when you're just playing it, it's always a lot better than when you're looking back. And sometimes you forget about how much you love a game, uh, especially when we're doing this, you know, you're doing it at the tail end of the year. But I think when I look at a game, obviously I look at story, gameplay, graphics, but more often than that, it's how much, when I was doing this list, it kind of seemed to be more like how much I really wanted to go back and play it. Like what, how drawn I was, well, you know, while I was at work or out and being like, ah, man, I can't wait to boot up the game and play it again. I think that's kind of the overall deciding factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, for me, it's weird because I never know if it's like, if five years from now you look at a game, the game of the year of 2020, what should that game be? Should that be a game that like, is that the, the one game you should, you should play if you looked at every game out of 2020 is it a game that does something novel, um, you know, a game that reinvents something, or is it just like the most polished experience? It, it, it's it's just really hard to to land on it. I'm not really sure where I ever land on it either. Right. And as we go through the list, we'll talk about some of this stuff. Like it's it gets a little weird at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's start. So obviously, my top ten and your personal top ten were not identical. Mm-hmm. So we do have a couple games. Only only two actually. Our two lists of ten. Mm-hmm. actually only ended up with 12 games, which is surprising. That is surprising. I'm really surprised about that. So we had two honorable mentions that we figured we'd list. First honorable mention was, I believe, your number 10 game, Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mike, tell me what you loved about Dreams, I guess. So Dreams is way too hard for me to figure out how to use. I can't <laughs> make a game for the life of me. We talked about it. Uh, I just, even with PlayStation VR controllers, I really don't think I'd ever be very good at making games. Mm-hmm. But I love the aspect of it. I love the idea of it. You know, we talked about how on the episode we talked about, we loved RPG Maker and all that kind of stuff. And I just loved going through, and I still do it every once in a while, boot up PlayStation 4 and just look at what people have made. And people have made some absolutely incredible things with this make your own game system. It really is a make your own game system, which I found really incredible, really interesting and really unique, especially for a console over a PC game kind of a thing. So just the fact that I'm blown away by the creativity and the use of the system, uh, I think Dreams put was on my list just because of the games and the creativity it inspires. Yeah, um, it didn't make my list. I did think about adding it. At the end of the day, I couldn't put it on the list for me because, you know, as cool as I think it is, I played the game for, you know, four or five hours got through the main, I didn't even get through the main like tutorial story and I, yeah, I'm just not creative in that way to like really use it to its full potential, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, but I can totally see why people are in love with it. I still will occasionally check online and just, I, I won't go into dreams, but I'll check online and see like videos of games people are, right, yeah. people are making. It's really cool to see. It's, I wish I was more creative. I wish I could do a better job with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm always so. really mad when I try to make my <laughs> two blocks and I'm like, I'm done already. Cool. Um, another, our other honorable mention, it was my number 10 game, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Okay. I absolutely loved the game. There were a couple technical hurdles that kind of held it back, but it was one of those games that came out at a time, um, it was actually right when we were starting this podcast, right? Is when it came out. Pretty much, yeah. So, you know, I was trying to play a lot of games for the podcast and Ori came up and it's like just this very chill game with these 
beautiful art style. It's like got that interesting, you know, Studio Ghibli like design, uh, like interesting characters and stuff. And it's a game that was kind of teetering on my list. It almost it actually almost didn't make the cut. I will admit I cheated the system slightly. This is the only time I did this <laughs> when we were recording our games. Me and you both had we both had a game on our list, another game that was on our list. Okay. And I was debating with putting it over Ori. It actually was over Ori. So Ori would have been my number 11. But then when I saw it on your list, I was like, you know what? Let's, let's get Ori Switch on the list. <laughs> so we almost only had one different game. Yeah, that actually makes me wonder because let's see. Just looking real quick here. One. Oh my God. Can I be honest with you? Absolutely. I fucked up. <laughs> um it's okay this will not affect anything i just gotta slide one more game in here it was do, do, do. okay one two three four okay I'm not gonna, I, I forgot to put my number five game on our combined list <laughs> um and somehow so i guess our next honorable mention <laughs> because it's being bumped off our list this is the game that was my number 10 um, or was supposed to be my number 10 was fall guys. Okay. Um, fall guys. was interesting for me because I only played it twice, I think. And I really loved everything about it when I was debating if it should go on my top 10 or not though. So even though I've only played the game twice, I've watched hours of Twitch streams <laughs> of people playing fall guys. Um, so that's why I was kind of on the fence about it. Like it's not a game that like I personally have played that much but i've gotten so much enjoyment out of it just you know adjacent to the people playing it it's actually on your list so i'll let you talk about it a little bit <laughs> okay so i put this at my list at number seven yeah. uh this is what i figured was between you and or I, I figured when you were talking about another game so fall guys for me uh, so much fun so much enjoyment i really enjoyed playing it with you and laughing and watching the little guys bubble over i you know i've played it with elise which there's not a lot of games i can play with her uh, where she enjoys playing it. And it's just really fun, like you said, to watch all these little like potato guys fall down and get blown off and and struggle to get back up. And it's just got such a lighthearted, friendly atmosphere. And it's such an interesting party game where it's just it's basically those Japanese game shows where it's just, hey, here's some obstacles you got to change. And it just really, I guess, tickled me the right way. And the absurd, the absurdness of the slapstick humor of the game just really made me happy when I played it. And I think that's why I mostly put it on number one. I also haven't played it probably anywhere near as much as I played any other game on this list, but for some reason I loved it. You know, it, it was definitely like just a super charming experience. And and like I said, just, just watching it was a blast. You know, you get some of the bigger personalities on Twitch and they're just, you know, getting pissed off at what's going <laughs> on. You know, they're getting, you know, teamed up on by the, by the enemies and everything. It's just, it's just a blast to watch. And it was a blast to play. Uh, I, I wish I played it a bit more, but after, after seeing like the communal experience of playing with you mm -hmm. when me and you played, and then seeing like the Twitch streamers interacting with their audience and whatnot, like it's a game that like by myself, I just couldn't bring myself to, to put on gotcha. like I, I needed someone else to play with and uh just didn't just didn't shake out that way <laughs> I'm, I'm always here but i know but i know <laughs> okay so now our new 
number 10. Our number 10 spot is actually a tie. So I don't know how we handle that, but we'll just say, I guess they're both number 10 or they're both number nine, I guess. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with yours first. It would be Phasmophobia. So Phasmophobia was an amazing, amazing game. Uh, I almost put it even higher up on my list, but I chose not to because it's not a complete game. It's it's primarily a VR game, but I've honestly only just recently played it in VR for the first time. Because it can be played on a mouse and keyboard. It is the most fun co-op experience I think I've had in a long time in a video game. And it still keeps all the scariness of a horror game playing by yourself. But it is as equally scary as it is hilarious. You are laughing as you are actually like scared to death as you're playing this game. Because these ghosts are hunting you down while your friends are also in there. And you're watching them get hunted. You're hearing, you know... You could be playing the game in one area, you hear like somebody humming in your ear, or while I was playing the prison level, I kept hearing somebody tapping. No one else heard all that spooky sounds. Uh, when the ghost hunts you, it's just a mad dash to hide behind a door. And when it gets you, you're scared to death. You know, you have to find this ghost, but at the same time, as soon as you find the ghost, you don't want to find the ghost. All you want to do is run away. I mean, it is rough around the edges. Everything that they use to make the game is a Ubisoft asset that they paid for. I mean, they paid for it, but it's just, it's not self-created by the developer it's one guy which is super impressive the game runs very stable uh you know there aren't that many hiccups or crashes and it's just they keep adding on to it and i know that in a year or two this game will be something great or it might be like player unknown battlegrounds where that game kind of blew but it inspired all these really great battle royales to come after that i think phasmophobia has that kind of premise behind it like it can actually be one of the most fun co-op horror experiences that then gets repeated over and maybe perfected upon as time goes by and i'm really sad that i'll never play it with you because i think it would be a great time but it, uh, it don't be real spooky <laughs> I mean, i've got the gaming laptop I, I can play it on there if the mood ever hits us <laughs> it's funny you met you mentioned PUBG there at the end i was going to ask based on the way you're talking about it does it hit like that same level of stress that maybe like a Fortnite or a PUBG did like when you were first playing it like that suspense of Oh God, I, I don't want this person to kill me. Oh, when you're about to, Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, I don't get that so much when I play, you know, Fortnite or anything anymore. But like when I first started, there was like just a real visceral thrill, like, like this, like this, like primal feeling like that, like you can not let that guy get you. Like you're hiding in bushes, you know, because you're, you're, you're not confident in your skill and everything. Does it, it hits that same, like, level of like pure feeling absolutely that adrenaline that and you get the added bout of fear but you're like screaming the microphone with everybody else hearing you and they're laughing or telling you to run because they're seeing the ghost chase you it's diminished a little because i've played you know 50 60 hours of this game already um but it's still like you'd never know when the ghost is going to pop up behind you and you never want to be that guy with the ghost chasing you and you have to play headphones in the game because your microphone and how you talk affects everything. Mm -hmm. So even though it doesn't hit quite the same as it did, you know, 48 hours ago of gameplay, it still gives me that feeling of, oh shit, it's right behind me or I've gotten so far because I found all the collectibles and I have one clue left to figure out what kind of ghost this is. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something else. The other game that was tied with Phasmophobia was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. This is a game that I, I've gotten a good amount of time into. I've beat the two campaigns for 1 and 2. I'm still not done with it. It came out at a really good time as I was getting super busy with work. Uh, it was just a game. It was one of the few games I was able to play 
uh, through December, just because I'd get home from work, throw it on, you know, just do, you know, four or five runs in the warehouse it takes 15, 20 minutes. I feel like I've had like a, it's just a good way to unwind after work. Uh, and yeah, it was just perfect for me at that moment. Uh, I grew up a Tony Hawk kid. Like Tony Hawk was one of my games as a kid. I don't know how much we talked about it on the podcast around the time it came out. I don't have, we were doing the preview. We were kind of talking about a little bit. I was so thrilled to eventually, I know I didn't pick it up right away, but I was so thrilled when I did pick it up. Um, it, it, it hits every note I wanted it to hit. It just feels so clean. And so like the controls are so crisp. They've added a couple additions. Like you can now revert and stuff. And even in Tony Hawk pro skater one, which you weren't able to do originally, let you do some really like fun combos and strings and stuff. And yeah, I'm just, I absolutely adore that game. It's a game I'm not done with. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still playing it here and there just for those few minute sessions, even on the series X quick, quick resume. If I click on it right now, I guarantee you it's open to warehouse. Um, it's <laughs> just, it's just what it does. <laughs> um, and yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, it was on your list as well. Um, let's see. Like I said, it totaled up to five points. Where did it sit on your list? It's uh, pretty low on my list. It's number nine on my list. Yeah, for me, it was number, uh, number eight. So, but three plus two. There you yeah. go. That's where it ends up. <laughs> Any thoughts on it? Well, pretty much the same as you. It's the perfect game to just throw on in between, you know, when you don't want to play, you know, Cyberpunk for eight hours and you only have a little bit of time to play. You know, I would put it on before Elise and I would go out or, you know, after I came back from work and I didn't feel like playing for eight hours. I just wanted to, you know, listen to some Tony Hawk soundtrack and try to get the next high score or unlock the next level in the game. Uh, I'm not as far along as you because I'm not very good at Tony Hawk, <laughs> but I still have the same feeling of I had one and two when I was little and I'd play split screen with, you know, my brother all the time and maybe you and two for a little bit. Uh, probably. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's the exact same way. It's just a snappier, fresher, smoother version of what the game was with enough modification to make it modern. And it's fantastic. Yes, it is. OK, let's see what comes next. Oh, man, I have to talk for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. So that would have we said that those games were. Based on the movement of the list, those games were our nine and ten, right? That's what you said. OK, so our number eight. It's going to be the game that I forgot to put on our combined list. Um, <laughs> it's a game I know you haven't played yet. I hope you do give it a chance. I don't think you will. Um, you know, I was just talking about with Tony Hawk. It was the only game I really had time to play in December. Mm -hmm. And that was a God dang lie. <laughs> uh, because I, on weekends, I was playing the heck out of uh, Yakuza like a dragon. This game is, I've never played a Yakuza game before. I don't have any experience with the franchise. I know it's beloved, but it's it's always been like Yakuza 4 or 5 or whatever number is coming out. And I just felt like, I don't know why, but it's always seemed like such a daunting franchise to start playing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I don't know why I've had that feeling, um, but I've just never wanted to jump into one because it's so late in the series. And I, and I, I read reviews and stuff and they're so like, they go so deep into detail about like the, the histories of these characters and stuff. And I was just like, this is too much with like a dragon. It was a fresh start to the series. It's a brand new protagonist. There is some overlap with characters from my understanding, but your, your main team and everything is, is brand new. Um, so I was like, you know what this is, and it's a completely different battle system. It's actually, you know, uh, 
you know, more of an RPG. Mm-hmm. And the game is just like insane in a way that like it does this thing that a, f- a few, you know, Japanese games do really well. Uh, Persona 5 di- uh, Royal did not make it on my list. That was another game that was like up there. It's a game I haven't gotten enough time into, but where it's this like super serious subjects, but also like really outlandish and wild in its presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yakuza just did that so great. Uh, so your character is this guy, Ichiban, who's gone to prison for, you know, years to cover for another person's murder. Who is a part of his Yakuza clan. He gets out of jail. He's betrayed by his gang and it's just him like kind of starting a new life after being in prison for 20 years in a new city. Um, and then like kind of unraveling a mystery as it goes, I won't go into too much detail, but it is, it is just such a wild experience and the characters and the party that you have in the game are like, so fleshed out in full. Um, it's the, and this is coming from a guy who's played, you know, Mass Effect and Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we're going to talk about. I spoiler, it's on the list. <laughs> um, I have never played an RPG where I had where I was so in love with my party members, where I wanted to talk to them every opportunity I had, in, in a way that like goes beyond how I've ever felt about them in video games. Like I love my Mass Effect party members. We're not going to get into them now, obviously, but not like this like you know as you're walking through the city you can you'll occasionally come across like a restaurant and you can just press y to start a conversation and they'll just like start talking like have a little conversation between the party as you're walking and if you get into a battle it's interrupted or if you do anything to like skip it it'll actually just stop and uh i'd find myself just like running in the opposite direction of enemies trying to like keep the conversation going you know like i did i didn't want to lose that conversational thread uh and ichiban as a protagonist is like kind of dumb but he's just like believes in people in such a way that's like inspiring <laughs> he's he is like the friendliest guy like part of the, through part of the story one of your party members does some stuff that's kind of like not great for you and the rest of the party and the whole time like ichiban is like never even upset with him. He's like, no, he's our friend. He's doing it for his own reasons, this and that. Like, and like the, the amount of love he has for people is like, it's crazy. Uh, and he's just like a good dude, like in the most ridiculous of ways there's, I'd like to tell you more, but I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but it's got one of the most like wild endings to a game that I've ever played. Just as far <laughs> as like the way the conflict escalates and then finishes um i'll talk to you i know you're not going to play it so i'll talk to you about it off podcast because it's i might play it that it's it's so far out and weird it's just it's tough to want to get into because it's so i don't want to say foreign but in its weirdness (laughs) but the way you talk about the mass effect that i mean that's a big selling point right there but i'll I'll give it a try at some point you will absolutely (laughs) love the characters you've got a party of maybe six people that you can rotate five or six people that you could rotate there's like at least three though that like they're so fleshed out and 
they're, they're just fantastic characters for sure. Uh, speaking of how like outlandish and wild the game gets. So as you're going around and like the random battles you get, like, you know, in a final fantasy, you might be fighting like, you know, slimes or whatever. Mm-hmm. These are just like freaks and weirdos from the city. <laughs> you're fighting like cultists, but there's like this, I don't know how to explain the vibe that you get from them, but there's like guys on skateboards, you know, whose attack is to skateboard into you. There's like devil rockers and musicians and like, uh, just all these crazy enemies. Uh, there's actually this really great feature of the game. It's this is the last thing I'll talk about with the game. We'll move on. So somewhere along the game, you meet this professor who wants you to catalog all of the creeps and weirdos around the city. <laughs> like so Pokemon. It, it's exactly it. Literally, <laughs> it's called Sujimon. And literally, every time you encounter a new weirdo, they get added to your your Suji decks. <laughs> um, so you have to, you know, you're just going around looking for these. 200 enemy types and as you collect more of them and get the data on them uh you get rewarded by him and as you collect the data on them you learn they're different like it's almost like your way of like scanning them for uh or assessing them for their weaknesses and strengths and everything like that Mm -hmm. so you get details about them like as you fill out your suja decks um the side missions are all lovely and weird you know i'm I'm helping a, I throw a guy, I threw a guy's crawfish into the river and he wanted it back. So I, I went to find his pet crawfish. <laughs> I find his crawfish. Turns out he just wanted to eat it. Now I'm going on a mission to find something else for him to eat. Cause I've grown attached to the crawfish. <laughs> now the crawfish follows me around. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wild. There's like a business management sim in the game. So I'm literally trying to run a confectionery <laughs> and I have to go to shareholder meetings and like, plead with the shareholders to <laughs> to you know accept me for when i'm like not doing well running the business or just to agree with me that i am doing a good job running the business it, it, it's just so much fun some of the mini games are great every time you walk up to a vending machine you can actually look under it for change it's part of the mini games uh <laughs> there's a mini game where you're you're a hope you're a bum at one point you have no home or anything because you literally got abandoned in a like uh Shantytown. Uh, yeah. It's, I think they call it the homeless encampment. Okay. Anyway, so you're homeless for a while and one of them teaches you to like push a shopping cart around and like collect things as a mini game. There's like a dragon cart, like a Mario Kart style mini game. There's a mini game where you're literally watching movies, trying not to, fall, that's your, the objective of this game is to not fall asleep while you're watching movies. <laughs> uh, because there's like some, this film historian who's like trying to like explain to you like why these films are so great. And you, you just need to not fall asleep. And if you don't fall asleep, your intellect goes up. Like you have like a, a personality spectrum. So you have like charisma and uh, intelligence and uh, passion and there's like six or seven of them. You can go to this academy and literally just take like written tests. And if you pass the written test, they can increase like certain. Well, I think I've watched videos of you acing a test before. Oh, did I record some? They cheer for you. Oh yeah. 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 They, they, <laughs> everyone at the school comes and cheers for you when you pass. And you know, if you pass a math test, you get your intelligence up. Or if you pass like a, uh, I can't think of the different tests they have now, like the history of Sega test or like, chemistry tests, but they all will boost certain aspects of your personality, Mm -hmm. um, which then helps you out in combat as well. It's just, it's just a amazing time. I ended up putting it at at six on my list, I think, but just talking about it now, like 
I tried to, rem- I just played it recently. Mm-hmm. So as I was making my list, I tried to remove myself from the fact that I just played it recently. Right. But even talking about it now, it should be higher on my list. I, the way you're talking about it. I yeah. <laughs> absolutely love that game. Uh, of all the games I'm about to, we're about to talk about. I don't think I'm going to be as excited about them as I are, as I am <laughs> about this one. Um, but it, it's an absolute shame. Uh, that you haven't had an opportunity to play. And I, I really think you should it. Okay. I guess I am still talking about the game. Uh, I will, I will give it a try. <laughs> the, the one thing about the game, if, if I have to s- complain about it a little bit, and this is the reason I put it as low as I did. The game is super easy. Like the combat encounters are never too difficult. They're, they're very fun, but usually you blow right through them. But there is a point about three quarters of the way through the game where there's, there's one specific fight that's almost impossible, like a boss fight. So if it wasn't for these two roadblocks in the game where the, the difficulty spike just spikes massively for like one battle, I probably could have beat the game in about 25 hours. But what happened was I got to this first battle at about like 22 hours. Could not beat it for the life of me. I went online to see like, what the hell am I doing wrong? And it turns out uh, they're like, your recommended level for this mission is, you know, like 10 levels higher than what I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Ended up having to grind for like 10 hours just to get to that level. Yeah, And the game is so much fun that you don't even mind grinding. There are like these dungeons and stuff that you can go through to level up or like a battle arena you can go through to level up. And it's all, it's all a blast. So it's whatever, but it's, it just sucks that you, that you get like throttled so hard because I'm enjoying the story so much as I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were two incidents, one for like about 10 hours and then one for probably like three or four hours where I was just kind of like completely roadblocked. And it's not even like the whole game becomes difficult after those battles. It's just these those individual two battles. battles that really, you know, kind of F you. Um, and that kind of sucks. It's, it's the one complaint that I'd have about, you know, uh, a really remarkable game. Remarkable. Wow. Remarkable. <laughs> oh my God. I got to talk about another one. <laughs> so this next game I'm talking about, uh, I, I'm liking it almost as much, but I'm probably, I'm all passioned out for the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's a game I've been playing. It's actually right there on the screen. I was playing it before you came it up. Is. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Immortals Phoenix rising. This is a game that I am, you know, it's it got poor reviews coming in, not poor, but mediocre reviews coming out. You played the demo. You were not hot on it. No. So, so I was kind of like, Oh, that sucks. It, it looks so cool. Um, I watched the trailer a few times. So I'm like, no, like that game, seems like it's up my alley so i bought it on a whim after i beat yakuza i was uh i don't think we said it on the podcast i uh contracted covid so i was in quarantine for two weeks couldn't do much but immortals has been here for me and it's just absolutely fantastic as well uh again i i think it's like criminally underappreciated like critically based on what i've seen in 2017 breath of the wild was a lot of people's game of the year. Mm-hmm. This is a game that in a lot of ways is a breath of the wild clone. So I get why people are knocking it for that. But truthfully to me, it's, and I know no one's going to agree with me. It's a better game than breath of the wild. Sacrilege! 
I, I'm not a huge Breath of the Wild guy. I get why people loved it, but I felt I, I felt like it was a little too unstructured. I didn't really know like where to go or what to do. Like, yeah, I'm trying to find these shrines or whatever. So this game is basically Breath of the Wild. It's got the, it's got the same level of polish. The mechanics are not quite as deep. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, you throw a metal sword in the rain in Breath of the Wild and lightning will strike it. And like, it doesn't have systems that deep. Um, it's almost like a, like a lighter version of that. But it's more structured with like story missions and stuff. And it's just like, I'm having a blast just going through the missions. But then I am, you know, getting distracted and lost, like going to find to collect chests and do the shrines or what they call in this gates of Tartaros or something to that effect. They're basically the shrines from Breath of the Wild where you go and you have to complete like a little objective or a little puzzle to get to a chest or whatever at the yeah. end. Um, and yeah, the, the game is just an absolute blast just to wander around the world. It's one of the most impressive open worlds I've seen. It's not the most impressive open world we've seen this year. Uh, we'll talk about another game in a little bit, but just getting lost in the world. It's been so easy. It's fun. The, the game's a little bit cheesy as far as like dialogue between, you know, Prometheus and Zeus mm -hmm. as they're kind of like narrating your adventure. So there are some like things that are a little corny. So I guess I see why they might've turned people off. So that's the um, one thing in the demo I actually enjoyed. Cause I like the way they changed the story as you went through the demo. Yeah. They, they do it in a, I, what I think is a really fun way. Um, like I said, it's a little, it's cheesy, but it's, <laughs> I like cheesy. I like stupid fun. I like games that aren't like ashamed to be dumb. Um, and I think it is a little dumb the way they tell the story at times, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm a really big fan of it. I really like the different powers and skills you get. And more than that, I like the customization options for your appearance. Uh, they do a really cool job where like, if you're wearing a certain armor, you're still able to transmog it to look like a different visual style so you can oh, always cool. make sure your character looks the way you want him to look uh even though you know there's 12 swords in the game and they all have different bonuses on them if you don't like the way a certain sword looks it's fine just tap x on it and swap over to a different appearance you'll still get those stats um and it's fun to kind of like as i go through dungeons i unlock these new visual appearances for my stuff so it's fun to go in and say, okay, well, now that I've got this cool mask, I want to wear this armor with it. And, and this ax looks best with this or whatever. Like it's just, it's, it's not something I usually care about in games, but it's been fun to kind of like, you know, deck my guy out to make him look the way I want him to look. I've had a couple different like styles that I've gone through. Uh, it's cool that you, you're not gender locked in the game. You can choose the female or male character model at any time. You just go to a chair because, you know, it's like the gods, you know, they're constantly changing shape or like pretending to be different people. Um, right. So that's literally like the, the way they backdoor into. And this is Ubisoft as well, right? It is Ubisoft. Okay, yeah. They're doing the same thing with it's, Valhalla it's, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much the, the Ubisoft formula of, you know, climb the tall, structure, structure yep. and view the area it does all that stuff just like every other ubisoft game does it i don't know if because i don't play too many of those games that when i do get into one it doesn't feel as worn of formula as it might if you have just played if you had just played watchdogs and just played valhalla and then played this game when done right uh, it's still a really fun open world formula i find no because it gives you a purpose and, uh, instead of just wandering I absolutely agree. But you know, a lot, I do hear a lot in like different podcasts and, and opinions from people that like that formula is getting stale for them. Right. But the truth is I usually 
skip those games unless they really appeal to me to start. So like, it's not, you know, it's not stale to me. I still, in, I still love the formula. Right. Um, let's see. So I guess that was technically our game number eight. My whole list is off by one here. <laughs> um, Oh no, no, that would, that would be number seven still because Yakuza was below it. So, mm-hmm. okay. That was a number seven game. Number six. I've been talking too much, so I'm going to let you carry most of this one because it's on my list, but I didn't love it that much. Uh, I appreciate what it did, but the last of us part two here at nine points. Uh, I am. Where did that end up on your list? I am surprised that is on your list. Uh, that ended up on my list at number four, but honestly, it almost didn't end up on my list at all. Yeah, it ended up uh, as number nine on my list. How did it go from four to from nothing to four? I forgot it existed. For a second. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, no, wait. Uh, so last was part two. Yeah, we, we did a whole like two hour podcast on it. And I think that's end up why it's on number four, because it elicited so much of a response from people about not the gameplay, not the graphics, but the story and the characters and it's the fact that you care so much about these characters and that even in the sequel even if you don't agree with what these characters do like ellie does or i can't remember the other girl Allie, abby abby uh, what they do or the choices they make sometimes you're still talking about them as if they were a people you talk about them as if you're watching a film and i think no matter what that's still really impressive whether or not you agree with that or not then i know you don't really like ellie's story and i i have issues with it i don't hate it as much but even then story aside as well the graphics on that ps4 game are amazing even you and i playing on just a base ps4 and the gameplay is just as fun if not more fun than it is in the regular last of us because they just added and improved and just honed in on on stuff that makes the stealth and the combat just seamless and fun and a really good time and again like i said i was trying to grade this on what i really wanted to go back on and play and I wanted to finish Ellie's story. I hated Abby at first, and then I ended up really liking Abby toward the end. So it's uh, the game made us feel a way that we talked about it for two hours on the podcast. And I was like, that that's worthy of discussion. I don't think I know it won game of the year for the game awards and a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know if it deserved that, but I think it deserves a place on people's list because even if people hated it because of its response. Yeah. Um, so you can go back and listen to our last of us part two podcast. If you want to hear like my in depth, <laughs> my more passionate feelings about the game. <laughs> I think the game did a few things really wrong. You know, I, I loved Ellie's story up until a point. I loved Abby's story. I wish they did a couple things different. Like the way they, I guess, edited the game. I didn't like switching between characters that much. I mentioned in our podcast, when you switch to Abby, I didn't realize I was going to be playing the rest of the game as Abby or a, a great majority of the game as Abby. Right. So like I was thinking like, Oh, this is just a, another one of these quick little windows, which you had done previous in the game. So I was trying to rush through it. And it's not until like, you know, later in the, and not until after like two or three hours, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm Abby now. Like, yeah. This is what I'm doing. Um, and I, I, this is just me, but I really think the game would have benefited from a, uh, you roll credits on Ellie at the end of Ellie's story. And then you start up and you choose campaign B and you play as Abby. And then when you beat both those, you get the epilogue. I don't even think the epilogue or like the, when you go back to to Ellie should be in the game. I really, really dislike it. I think she goes way too far. 
but you're right it is a, it does elicit a reaction so as much as i dislike those things about it i can't argue that the game is like one of the most technically proficient games i've ever played it's super impressive the world is really cool there's so much about the game that's fantastic the accessibility options in that game are great as someone who gets skeeved out like i forget what the name of the mode was but like i was able to turn it so i could press a button and like all the enemies would glow so like even in like the the super dark sections if i had this certain button on like i can see where the enemies were a little easier uh to a way where like it felt less tense for me which was nice um not to mention all like the way more elaborate options they had in there you know for people with that run like physical disability you know across the gamut as far as settings you could choose the fact that like the sliding difficulties that so you could literally just make it so the enemies basically can't kill you if you need to um it's really impressive what they did it sucks that i don't like what they did narratively towards the end but you know ultimately the game is fantastic and it it needs to be on a it needs to be on a top 10 list. You know, you're saying you don't think it deserved to win the game awards like it did or whatever, but honestly, if people didn't hate the story as much as I did, like I can totally see why it's on those lists. I can see why it's winning game of the year everywhere, you know? Right. So I don't know. It's, it's not my game of the year. I don't even know if it belongs on my list. It just felt like a game that like I had to, put I on had, there. <laughs> it just belongs. It, it deserves the mention, I guess. Uh, next up at number five, uh, another PlayStation exclusive game, Ghosts of Tsushima. Oh, that was also my number five. Um, I guess that means it was my number five too. Uh, that would make sense. It's the way math works. Yeah, that's how math works. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you lead. So Ghosts of Tsushima, I'm not going to say it's the most technically impressive in terms of like graphically pushes the envelope, like maybe Last of Us does, but in terms of what's on screen and how it looks and the beauty of this game. It is one of the most beautiful games that I think I have ever played in terms of how Tsushima looks the entire Island. The story is well done, uh, well-written. I really care about the characters in the game. I loved going on the side missions. I thought the combat while occasionally a little glitchy, and I know not maybe your favorite compared to Sekiro, it was really, really fun for me. It is a little easy, but that's okay with me because I suck at those kind of combat <laughs> systems sometimes. But I, I loved the ability to switch between stealth and regular. I think the uh, action kept me coming back to the game. I kept wanting to explore more. I kept wanting to outfit my samurai to make him look the way I wanted him to look at look like. I wanted to play as more of a samurai character, so I got to play less stealthy and more just out there. I was a little disappointed that that makes no difference toward the end of the game that you're relegated to two choices at the very end, but that doesn't hold the game back from being amazing. And the loading time for a PlayStation four game, the Island every time just loads like super quick as if it was on a solid state drive. And I mean, we did a whole episode about it. So again, I don't want to go too, too far into it, but it really is an amazingly impressive game. And I really can't wait to try out the multiplayer mode at some point with you. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day, Mike. But um, one day. Yeah, I think it's a game and a combat system that you can keep expanding on and keep doing stuff with. And I'd be excited to do that. I might actually play the game again when they put out the uh, next gen enhancements. And if I ever one day get a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with most everything you said. I, I think it is such a great framework and I can't wait to play the next Ghost of Tsushima. I, I like the game almost more at about the idea of what's going to come next. Um, talking about the combat system, the combat system is really cool. I love the stance system. I just really felt like it needed more layers on top of that because the game was like laughably easy uh, in the later half, even in the later half of the game. Like, really really in the later half after you power uh, up a little once bit you're powered yeah it's like and it's not even a game where like oh well that's your fault for doing all the side content earlier or whatever no the game just gets really easy in the later half of the game uh where it goes from the point of at the beginning i'm like oh my god this game is hard yep to you know everything's a cakewalk like i'm doing the the liberation camps late in the game where I have to like rescue the different hostages. And it seems like the game is trying to like encourage me to be sneakier or whatever. But it's like, no, I'm just going to sprint to them, <laughs> kill the four people in the area and then untie the person then sprint to the next group. It, it, it was just so simple. Um, and I, I wish it, I wish there were more elements on top of that, but story-wise I, I don't have a problem with the choice at the end. Like you do. I had issues with during the story where they made choices for you Mm -hmm. in a way where like I was trying to play the game stealthily or honorably rather. Yeah. And in the story, they force you to be dishonorable. I did not like that. That's, Um, that's my complaint that your only choice is at the end. I don't mind the two choices you get. I just hate that they're at the very end because I thought I was playing a certain way oh, to get an gotcha, ending. Gotcha. I thought you were saying you didn't like the choices. No, you, no, no, the choices you didn't are like fine. The fact that no, you I like that there's two choices. endings. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it, it's a really impressive game. The open world, like the island of Tsushima, like you said, it's super well designed. I absolutely loved it. I think it is a better open world than uh, than Immortals that we were talking about. Only thing I'd say is there's way too many fucking fox dens to the point where like even though I'm going to pet that good boy every single time, like <laughs> there were so many, I was, I got to the point where I was just like, all right, I, I think I've, I think my vacation to Tsushima is, you know, is over. <laughs> it's time to move on. Um, but no, it, it was an absolutely fantastic game. Um, and you should go back and listen to our podcast about it because we go way more in depth. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. This, I was super happy. This one placed where it did. I, I, it's a game that probably no, I get, I think it's placed exactly where it should be. Number four on our list with 11 points between the two of us. Uh, crash. It's about time. Uh, you put it really high on your list. I did. Let me see exactly where I put it. Where'd you end up putting it? I put it at number eight. This was my number three. Wow. It's up there. Damn. Oh, sorry, Bob. Uh, I'll let you start with it. So Crash 4 was everything I kind of wanted it to be. It was difficult, but not to the point where I wanted to punch myself in the face. Like some of the, like, playing the Xbox version again, or not the Xbox, the Xbox PlayStation Switch redo, redo of uh, the trilogy. It was really hard. And I remember the PlayStation version being hard as well. This is almost more forgivable in a in a better way, but still very difficult. I love the animation. I love what they did with Crash. He looks a little different, but it it fits. And it looks like you're playing through a DreamWorks animation movie. And this is another thing we brought up on our podcast when we did it. 
that really made me happy when you're going through the new Orleans kind of level and you see the floats and the parades Mm -hmm. and you're going around. I loved every minute of that level. That's one of my favorite levels. I think in a platformer, maybe of all time, I loved the goofy aspect of it. I loved the dialogue between the characters. You're really playing in a cartoon world and the platforming is always fun. And even at its most frustrating when you're dying over and over and over trying to make a jump, it always seems like it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And not the developer's fault, which is commendable because at some point, everybody, when they get frustrated, blames the game and it's never the game's fault. It's always your fault for not making a jump. So I I, I thought it was really fun and put on the list. I don't necessarily think it's my kind of favorite game. And I think that some of the side characters aren't fun at all to play as, but playing as Crash is amazing. And I think it's the side characters and the fact that I don't want to go back and play any of those extra levels that kind of bring it down for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So full disclosure, I still haven't even beat this game. Um, I haven't played it even since our podcast on it. Um, but it's a game that I've just been super excited to get back to, um, based on what's coming out in the near future and everything. I'm probably going to go back and finish crash once I, uh, complete immortals here. We talked about Tony Hawk a little while ago and how they did such a great job, like, you know, hitting that nostalgia factor, of playing Tony Hawk as a kid crash does the same thing, but it does it even better. A game like Tony Hawk, it feels modern, but it does it with like these like small little improvements that you don't really notice crash Four is undeniably the best crash game. It, mm-hmm. it like I said, it feels like how you remember crash playing, but if you play the two side by side, it's, just amazing how how much they've improved on the formula and how good it feels compared to the older games um like i said, I, I can't wait to play more of it uh i wish that i had more time but you know i get pretty it, things get pretty hectic for me around that time of the year when it came out yep um that but, might be was that the last thing we did as a post game uh yeah i believe crash was our last yep. post game um but it's a game that for the past two or three months, two months or whatever I've been thinking about, and I am eager to get back to. And yeah, I just think it's a lovely, lovely experience. And in the same way you said, it's not the game that not the style of game that you typically love. That's not your number one choice for games. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, it is the game that I, those are my kind of games. Right. The games that are like unabashedly fun don't take themselves seriously. It's it's everything I want out of the crash game. You're right about the side characters. I don't I don't love Tana or whatever her name was. I like the alligator guy more than you. I don't think have you played since have you unlocked Neo Cortex yet? No, I have not unlocked. I watched you play. Neo looked fun. The alligator guy was fun once and then I was done. <laughs> <laughs> um so I don't even mind this those guys the way you do. Mm-hmm. I think the I have played some of the inverse levels actually since we I have played some inverse as well. Yeah. The inverse levels are a blast. I really like those two. The VHS levels are also, but that's, those are some of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I just think it, it makes me so excited for like the future of crash bandicoot as well. Same thing. It's, it was so great to see them bring crash back and do him justice because it's a game that easily could have been a disaster. And it's just, it was just great to see, you know, it was great to see. And it was so shocking to see, like to sit down and play and be like, Holy, this, 
this game is my childhood. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was, I just absolutely love it. Um, no, nope. now it's where it gets fun. Mike. Ooh, because I really hope our number ones match. Mike doesn't know this list. That's true. I don't, I don't know. I sent Dave the list to do the math. So the last game score crash scored in at 11. Um, there was a lot of overlap with our top three. Our next game in oh, last game was an 11 and it's been like an 11, 11 points, 10 points, nine points, seven points, big jump in points here because our top threes were identical. Um, nice. just not in the same order. Unfortunately. <laughs> next game up final fantasy seven. Sorry, but I was really I, hoping our number one. I, I know this was your personal game over the year. Uh, so I'll let you lead. So, if you had told me at the beginning of the year when we were at PAX East and all those people were playing the Final Fantasy 7 demo and I was like screw these guys the game comes out next week what are they doing I would still say that because <laughs> the game came out next week there are other lines for other games that you told me that would be my number one game of the year I would have said get out there's no way I honestly probably I would have bought this game but I wouldn't have been as into alright now I gotta beat it I would have bought it and probably not played it honestly but this game is amazing to me. Like the characters, the way they honored the original Final Fantasy VII, which is one of the few Final Fantasies I ever beat or liked all that much. You know, the use of music, the animation style, the fighting system, I thought was an incredible blend of twitchy kind of combat that I love, but still using kind of the JRPG kind of system that everyone's used to. And it created this really unique fighting system that was Super, super fun to play up until you fight that one guy who comes down from the helicopter at the end. I hate that fight. <laughs> I, I love which, which is odd because that's one of my favorite fights in the game. It would be. Is it uh, Ruf, Rufus, right? That's Rufus, yeah. yeah. Uh, Barrett and Cloud's relationship is really fun. I enjoy how they expand on what, probably the first hour, two hours of the original game? Uh, about four hours, I four, think. Yeah, and they just expand it into an entire game. And you really get the feel for these characters and the way they change up the stories and add new things. And make you guess like, well, is this Final Fantasy VII or is this technically Final Fantasy VII II? Um, is really well done. The voice acting is really good. You know, you care about some of these characters. Maybe not in the way that you care about some of the Yakuza characters or like you said, Mass Effect and stuff like that. But in terms of like an anime kind of thing, I don't tend to gravitate toward that kind of overacting. But like the voice actress for Aerith is incredible and like her innocence and stuff like I cared about protecting her in the game I enjoyed at first I thought Cloud was an asshole and I hated him and then toward the end of the game he starts to lighten up and it's like they're actually going through an evolution of of character and it's just a really fun game where I wanted to complete every side quest and complete every mission and fight every monster and even go into the battle system and do the training mode and beat all those matches because the fighting system's that fun and that's usually not a big deal for me because I'm bad at games um I just Thought this was an incredible, incredible experience. As soon as the game ended, I immediately went on Google and looked up Final Fantasy VII Part Two release date because I want to know. Like, I want the next game already. I mm -hmm. thought it was absolutely incredible, and the fact that you know I thought it was that fun really kind of blew me away. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm usually a big fan of like the action RPGs and stuff, um, but Final Fantasy VII Remake did like everything so well. There's a couple little hitches that like still bother me when I think about it. I still think about how annoying it was to open up chests in that game. Like 
I don't know why, but that's one of the things that <laughs> sticks with me with that game. And I thought the ending with Sephiroth coming in was a little bit much. It was more than I wanted and a complete tonal change from this like super grounded game up until that point, yep. even with like the more anime stuff on top of it. But yeah, it was just an absolute blast. The combat was so much fun. Uh, I don't think you haven't played any of the hard mode, right? Not the hard mode yet. So, no. So I've played like the first like four or five chapters in hard mode and the the game changes so much in even in a good way where every encounter is so difficult. Like every single fight is so difficult that like you need to really know what you're doing. Um, you know, it's so easy to, to just get wiped, you know, every encounter you have, you really have to be on your game as the story and characters, like I said, it's so, so grounded and emotional. It, it's just, it's a really fantastic game. The top, our top three games, honestly, they're all interchangeable. I'm glad that Final Fantasy VII ended up where it did on our list. If I'm being honest, I think the next two are more meaningful games to me. Um, but you you said everything we need to say about it. Um, I guess the only thing I'd say it it's just really like you kind of mentioned it. It's awesome to see the vision that this person had in 1997, like actualized in 2020 because. In addition to playing this game this year, I played through the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VII Original this year as well. Just as we were, as I was waiting for you to finish Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm-hmm. I was playing that. I think we talked about it on the cast a yeah. little bit. Um, and it was just really cool to see like these weird textured blocks become these like intricate robots. Like, you know, the enemies that you're fighting, like look so much more detailed and realized in the, the world of Midgar itself, uh, the way they flesh out these like little side characters, uh, like, you know, Biggs and wedge and, and Jesse, of course, Jesse goes from this girl with like a handful of lines in final fantasy seven to being like, you know, one of the best characters in the game and someone you like Mm -hmm. become really invested in and care about. Um, and it, it was just, it's really I think it's really impressive to see that vision, you know, like I said, actualized in 2020. I I have to imagine the game that we're playing is the game he saw in, in his head as he was developing Final Fantasy VII, you know? Absolutely, yep. And yeah, I just, it, it was a great time. <laughs> now I think I know what number one is, I think. I'd be very surprised if the other one is number one. But now that I kind of know what the three are, I think I'm more on edge than I was before. <laughs> Here's what we got to figure out, Mike. What if I told you we had a tie for number one and two? I would say that's pretty much what I would <laughs> <laughs> How do I pick? I don't know. Which, which one do I read first? I guess alphabetical order, and then we'll figure out, like, we'll have to do a tiebreaker and figure out which one is actually better. Okay. Um, our number one slash two game of the year uh animal crossing new horizons go for it mike so i'm not surprised it's on your list you shouldn't be surprised it's on my list i would be surprised if it's not top three game on pretty much anyone's list who has a heart or was quarantined i mean this game got us through quarantine if you own a nintendo this game is it and you probably want to try to buy a switch to play this game this is the best animal crossing hands down in my opinion absolutely the amount of stuff you can do the amount of creativity i think it 
could use a little bit of work on the multiplayer aspect. A little disappointed in that. Very, very much. But that's really my only complaint. The personality of all the people on your island, the ability to customize your island, to find all these outfits, you're fishing, you're going to the museum, you're finding bones, you're doing all these holiday events, and you're you're the mayor of the town. You're doing so much and it's so calm you're and cool. Not the mayor, you're the resident You're advisor. the resident advisor. <laughs> you're in charge. <laughs> you tell someone to move, they move. And it's just so chill. And you you find yourself laying down cobblestone walkways to make your island look pretty. And you find that it's been five hours and you should probably get something to eat. Like it's just completely absorbing completely adorable Elise, who doesn't even really play that many video games bought her own switch so she can play animal crossing uh and played hours upon hours of it and i think that in and of itself really spoke to me about how good the game was and in a time when we couldn't go outside in a time when we couldn't really you know meet with our friends and interact with the world and it was kind of like everything was depressing Animal Crossing was always there to be light, fun, and happy. Yeah, it's strange that you're talking about past tense because it's still kind of what's going on, Mike. <laughs> well, I have to go to work now and I see a bunch of people all the time, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, everything you said is right. It's just like, it's so weird that a company as big as Nintendo, and I guess it's not because Nintendo does this all the time with their games, could create, like, such a massive company can create a game with so much like it's like heart and so much personality and so much like unique flavor to it. Um, It's just, it's an absolute blast to just get lost in your Island for hours, you know, just picking weeds, move, building bridges, you know, fishing, like absolutely love it. Um, you know, in the same way that you were talking about how it came out at the perfect time while you were in quarantine, it it's a game that I dropped off hard after the first like month of playing it. Um, but I've came back for all the different events for at least for a little bit. So I, you know, I did the turkey event, the the uh the uh October event with Jack walking around like giving candy to the villagers mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh the the Christmas event was great. Like every it's a game that I, I've came back for all these events. I went to watch fireworks on the 4th of July. It was, <laughs> it was fun to do all these little things in the game. Um, speaking again to like my more personal experience, you know, I woke up on Christmas morning, very sick. And I was like, Oh shit, I have COVID. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, went and got tested and I was quarantined from, you know, Christmas day until a week and a half ago or whatever it was. So I wasn't able to spend new year's with my girlfriend but we're FaceTiming and she has three kids. So we're, I'm, I spent new year's Eve on my girlfriend's Island in animal crossing (laughs) playing, playing and FaceTiming with her and her three kids. And it was just like, I could not do anything. I could hardly, I, I was able to move and stuff at the time I was feeling better. Uh, but it just sucked that I wasn't able to do anything. And I still got to experience a new year's Eve there in the game and I could see the fireworks and the countdown and we all had our little streamers and, and glow sticks. And it was just a really, really fun time and a really like just a a really positive experience to have at a time where shit kind of sucked, you know, to to be frank about it. Um, 
I have my issues with the game. We've talked about them in our, in our episode about it. I'm not even going to go into them here because all the good of the game, like outweighs the shittiness of it, like by a mile. It, it's, it's absolutely one of the best games this year. Uh, our, our top games are interchangeable. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Absolutely. Now I think I know what the next game is. <laughs> I, <laughs> unless I'm thinking, unless there's a twist. <laughs> our number one game of the year. Sekiro. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, no. Doom Eternal ended up at number one on our list. And I... Like I've been saying, it's all interchangeable up top, but Doom on my list was number one. So I'm wow. I'm happy to see it here. I said back in and it, it another fun fact: the our two favorite games of the year came out on the same day. Mike, that's true. How crazy is that? <laughs> but Doom Eternal took everything about the first Doom game or or Doom 2016, which I was not super hot on, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And said, okay, this stuff is really cool. Let's make it even better. Let's, it just built on it in such a fantastic way. I really think it's the best first person shooter I've ever played in the fact that it's not just a shooter. It's a puzzle game. It is the most intelligent shooter I've ever played as far as what do I have to do to get through this combat puzzle? Who do I have to chainsaw? Who do I have to grenade? Who do I have to freeze? It's a game that like, we talked about it so much in our deep dive into it, but it's a game where you just kind of like get into this flow state and, and literally you feel like, you know, like John wick or some sort of like super soldier, you right. know, where it's just, okay, I see this, I see this, I see this, I see this, I see this execute. Let's do it. Like, and it's, it's just absolutely thrilling. The, the music kicks ass, everything about it. I, and I don't want to get into complaints on our favorite game. <laughs> there, there were some pacing issues later in the game that I know we didn't love, but like ultimately it was, it was just a fantastic experience that did not overstay its welcome either. I, some of the levels felt a little long, but like after I beat the game, I went back and I played through the game again <laughs> on an increased difficulty. You know, I haven't gone to play the campaign yet. The campaign DLC that came out recently. No, me neither. Came I want out to. just like a month ago. Right. Yep. Uh, so I'm super excited to get into that at some point, but yeah, it's, I don't know what to say about it other than like, it is just pure fun. Um, and that's what I want from games. I want games that are fun and they're not ashamed to be fun and they're not gonna, they don't ever take themselves too seriously and this game does all of that flawlessly um and yeah i just i just think it's wonderful (laughs) (laughs) so i totally agree i mean doom it kind of like crash bandicoot means a lot to you when you were younger doom means a lot to me when i was younger um growing up playing all the different dooms and stuff like that and this totally takes what's great about doom and brings it to the modern world and perfects it and perfects everything that was great about the last doom game. The just the, the enemy types, the speed of it, the de- the demon slayer, not rebooting the franchise, just kind of continue. You're timeless. You're there to kill demons. And that's the story. That's it. And you don't need a story for doom. That's, that's <laughs> the story you need. The settings are great. 
the speed and the combat, like you said, it, it really does become a math puzzle, like uh, or a combat puzzle of, of who do I kill? How do I kill them? But you don't think about that when you're doing it. You just do it and you execute it. And it's so quick and so seamless and so smooth. And the frame rates never really drop as far as I really remember. None. And that's one of the things when I first started playing, I was a little disappointed. And I think I mentioned on the other podcast that it doesn't maybe have some of that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why is it needs to be a little crisper to get that frame rate up. You can't do a lot of that kind of atmospheric effects. And that's fine. After the first level, you're over it. You're done with it. Everything else is fan fantastic it runs like smooth as butter the music like you said is just as good as the first game and it's it's amazing the end boss is exactly what you want the doom end boss to be it does have a little bit of pacing at the end but that's it never stops being this hardcore badass kick-ass super fun first person shooter that like you said you don't really think about as you're doing it, but it's super intelligent in the way they, they break everything down and the way you have to get through the game. Yeah, that's yeah. it's awesome. So which of those two is our game of the year? <sighs> Due to life-saving qualities, I would probably have to give it to Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can go with that because... It's time for my last honorable mention. Didn't come out in 2020. Is it going to be Sekiro? But honestly, I was on the fence about if I could put Sekiro on the list or not. Because it didn't come out this year. As Once I saw your list and I saw Sekiro, there were, it was all 2020 games. I was like, all right. I almost um, put Control as my number three game. But then I I had the same thought. Like, I can't put Control see, on there because it's last if, year. If I had seen your list, I would have bumped everything down once and Sekiro would have been right there at the top. <laughs> not to... Not to Poop on all these other games parade. Sekiro is still the best game I played this year. Just stop being a jerk and play the game, Mike. It's so good. (laughs) Um, So if Sekiro was on my list and every other game on my list was bumped down one, technically Animal Crossing would have been our game of the year because Doom would have received one less point from me. I guess. And I guess. Yeah, no, Doom would have. Yeah. So we'll say Animal Crossing is our game of the year. It doesn't matter. Uh, so there you have it. Animal Crossing, our game of the year. Woo! That's right. It's it's nice that we didn't have to fight. I like that. Yeah, it matched up really well. We got got lucky that it all panned out at the (laughs) end. (laughs) Well, I'm just happy it panned out. I'm, I'm very happy that you put Doom that high up. I really, I didn't know if you were or would or not. I know you had a lot of fun playing it, but yeah, I mean, I know you're not as big a Doom guy as me, but I, I haven't, I'm pretty sure in the episode I say, what are the odds the first game we do is gonna is gonna be the best game we play this year? I yep. I, I think I said that in the you episode. Did, yeah, the first new game, yeah. I was surprised as the year went on that there were a couple other games that impressed me just as much or almost as much. Uh but no, Doom Eternal it never stopped standing out as the most fun game. You know, it's not the best story. The characters aren't all that interesting, but like it's the best game. It's the most fun game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way I said, I think that Immortals was like critically under uh, appreciated by reviewers and stuff. Doom Eternal has not gotten enough love from like any of these game of the year lists I've been looking at. Yeah. I do not understand where it is. Like it's such a good time. <laughs> we should mention just speaking of other people's game of the year lists. 
I've seen, I've looked at a handful and I'm seeing Hades on top of so many, you know, it's number one or two on so many lists. Yeah. I've been thinking about getting it. So, but. I purchased it, you know, back when it came out, mm-hmm. I played it for like an hour and I kind of just dropped off and never went back. I didn't give it enough time. I wish I gave it more time. Cause I, based on what I'm hearing about it, it sounds like you got to put it in, you know, it a is a game that the repetition builds the flavor of the game. Um, so maybe I'll give that more of a chance. So I've, that's, I've that's heard why it's, it's not on my list. It's but. supposed to come to Game Pass. I was just reading an article. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, cool. you might get a chance. Cool, cool, cool. Well, you already have it too, but. Well, yeah, I have it on Switch, but having it on Game Pass would be fantastic. Yeah. I've seen Cyberpunk I've, on a couple I've, of people's Game Pass list too. I've only played Hades on Switch handheld. I haven't played on a, on the on big, big screen, screen either. So I think that'll make a big difference as well. It does look really crisp. The animations look cool. Yeah, I was very glad you did not put Cyberpunk on your list because I don't think you can. It's there's no unless you rush through it and you didn't beat any of this, the side missions, you didn't really play Cyberpunk. And there's no way you beat it in its patched form. It still took 2 weeks for them to patch it and make it playable even on the Series X or the PC or the PlayStation 5. So anybody who put it on their list didn't really play Cyberpunk. So that's why I was like that's a 2021 game. It came out so late and it's so large. And even after the fact, I don't know Although next year's look, looking a little slim, so. What do you mean? You haven't played any yeah, games man. this year. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably not going to be a lot of games I'm going to play this no, year. You know, you decided. I'm th- going to play Yakuza. I'm going to play Sekiro. I'm going to play the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. <laughs> Think about it this way. At the beginning of this year, you were already putting Cyberpunk on your top 10 list for this year. Like you were talking about it like it was going to be. I, I'm having a lot a of fun of with year. it when You're I play it. How yeah. are we going to pick game of the year? We're not going to have a new time for Cyberpunk. And now here it is not even on your list. So don't try to don't it's try not, to put it on your beatable. list for next year. <laughs> but I'm saying for next year, don't try to put it on your list already. <laughs> it woke up by this or my own knows. Yeah, Mike, we haven't played any other <laughs> games this year. <laughs> right now it's your number one game on your list of 2021. Because it's the only game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've talked enough. So anyway. For two player bros, I'm Mike. I'm Dave. (laughs) Stay safe and keep on gaming.